welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls! Hello and welcome back to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. I'm your host, Emily Kylo, and I'm so grateful for you joining us here today. For today's episode, we are chatting with Rachel Coyce. She is the founder and CEO of Simple Switch. Simple Switch is an online marketplace for ethical and impactful shopping. Think of it as Amazon, except every one of the 3,000 plus products has a positive social and environmental impact impact. How incredible is that? So Simple Switch really aims to shift some of the hundreds of billions of dollars spent online this year to everyday products and gifts that support orphan care, plant trees, combat climate change, etc. So really their whole mission is to bring ease and convenience to ethical shopping, which I absolutely love. We had such a great conversation and Rachel really deeply believes in the power of entrepreneurship to solve some of our most serious global problems. And that is something, of course, we wholeheartedly agree with here at our Gorongosa. And I want to make sure everyone knows that she has graciously given us a discount code. So if you use the code GIRLS, you receive 20% off your first purchase at Simple Switch. And they have everything on there. There's hair care, there's clothing. Really take a look and see if there's even one thing that you could switch out. That makes a huge impact. And we do talk about that in that episode. And we also talk about what her early career journey looked like and her first entrepreneurial venture, which she was selling Harry Potter scarves, which is so interesting. We talk about where she came up with the concept for Simple Switch and how she got started, why it's important to normalize and destigmatize ethical shopping, and the power of harnessing capitalism for positive impact. We also got into quite an interesting discussion on intuition. So I hope you love this episode as much as I loved interviewing Rachel. And as always, we are so, so thankful. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or tag us on social media at our Gorongosa. Let's get to it. Here's episode 25 featuring Rachel Coyce. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What a fun show. My pleasure. We're just going to jump right on into our opening segment. And I want to hear from you. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? I'm feeling really grateful for the sun. Maybe a strange answer, but it's kind of spring is beginning to uh, you know, show up here in Colorado. We have 300 days of sunshine a year. And that just gives me a lot of energy that I've been kind of lacking for the winter. So I'm feeling really thankful for the sun. Mm, I feel that because I'm in Vancouver, so we do not get 300 days of sun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What inspires you daily? So where do you draw your inspiration from? Really inspired by other entrepreneurs lately. We're taking some big steps in business. And so just to get to watch and learn from other entrepreneurs, primarily women um, in my life who are both mentors and peers and learning 
sometimes simple, but really important lessons from them. I find myself kind of camping on or meditating on big ideas that I learned from them that are always very inspiring and and helpful. Mm. And I find too, you always get the right piece of information at the right time that Mm -hmm. you're, you just needed to hear. And it might even be something you've heard before, but sometimes it comes and you're like, yes, that's what I needed. That, that thing. Just recently, my, my advice like that, which sounds so simple and it makes sense. was just the, uh, an entrepreneur I admire here in here in my space said, you can't be afraid of heights, Rachel. And it was just so needed for me because we're taking some big leaps and that's my word of the year is leap. And so it's just been helpful. I don't know. Now I'm framing all my business challenges as like cliff jumping, you know, which is fun for me. I'm a big adventure junkie. So I liked that advice. That's perfect for you. Create that nice little analogy and then doesn't seem so scary, right? Right. (laughs) What advice would you give your younger self if she would listen? Hmm. I love that if she would listen, I think for me, it would just be to be more curious about other perspectives. I think I didn't come up from a place of kind of curiosity and being interested in different, whether that be cultures or thoughts or values. And I think I had so much to learn and I love that about myself now. And so I think I would have just tried to get a head start on those things. Mm, I love that. What's one mantra you like to live your life by? You can do it, but don't do it alone. And this is like my favorite advice for young entrepreneurs too. It's like, anytime I get asked that, I say that, but the first part is like, you know, beat imposter syndrome. But the second part is like, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. And that balance has been extremely important in my life. And yeah, definitely try to live by that always. Mm, That is a great one. I love that. (laughs) Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far? Maybe like intuition. I think that that is strange, but that's something I'm learning and not something that I've always known by any means of kind of self-reflection and and listening to myself better, I think has been a huge teacher for me, especially in the last few years, but always because that voice has always been there. Yeah. Say intuition. Yeah. The amount of times I've ignored it and then Mm -hmm. realized later that that was not the avenue to take. Definitely. Um, I, I do think that is something I think you can tap into it earlier, quote unquote, but I do think there is a certain amount of just life experience and maturity that kind of plays into that, where you've kind of been there, done that a few times and you can realize, okay, wait, my intuition actually does know the right direction most of the time. So it's good to tune into it. So I I feel that there's like a sense of permission that also plays into that growth, which is almost what, I mean, there's a thousand people I could say, And a thousand things I could say have been really great external teachers for me. But I think especially as women, we're kind of taught not to either not to listen to the intuition or not to say that that's what we're making decisions based off of, because that can like be devalidated or seem too subjective or whatever that may be. So not only is that my true answer, I think it's also the most important answer to like say out loud so that other women are like, oh yeah, I can like also listen to myself and my intuition because it's, it's not always validated for that to be a good teacher. Yes, absolutely. Because I think where some people, they really do want the, or maybe we've revered it more, the very logical thinking of here's my pros and cons and Mm -hmm. yeah, the data. And here's the thing. I'm someone who does love all those things. And I think they're super useful, especially, I mean, if you're in a startup or any business, you need that. 
But there is something to be said for tapping into that intuition and just fully trusting it at, at a full stop at just that's it. I'm doing it. And I think that's, I think what I was talking about where the experience does come in. Cause I think it's yeah. easier for you to just know yes. this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. and to practice, to practice doing that. Right. Like it's not, it's not like someday you magically learn that that's a good voice to listen to. It's like you listen to it and then you're like, like you said, okay, that was the right decision. I, I did this, you know, I, I could trust myself. That's really cool. Yes, absolutely. So Rachel, I'd love to get everyone a little acquainted with you and just start at what was your early life like? Where did you grow up? What kind of things did you like to do? Set the scene for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up 20 minutes from where I'm sitting now in just north of Denver and we're based in Denver. So amazing opportunity to just have the Rocky Mountains as my backyard and just playground and being able to do a lot of outdoor activities. My family was fortunately very into those things. So I grew up camping and hiking and riding horses. And one of my favorite childhood stories just kind of, I think, speaks to who I am as a person is that my parents would give me a ball of string and tie it to our fence and then say like, you can just go as far, like wherever you want, just like keep the string so that you find your way back. And I think it's a really cool, like stay grounded, but also explore. And so that is, I think, very indicative of my early life and how it was. Grew up in a very, you know, privileged white household in suburbia. So that is, I think, something that has grown for me and and why I mentioned kind of being curious about other perspectives. I think it's really important and not something, it's something that's, you know, a child cannot just decide to do that and like bring themselves into those situations. And with that said, I did have the opportunity to travel a lot um, and in some you know places that really dealt with, with poverty and with injustice and things like that. So did have some experience being exposed to those things that I'm really thankful for because I think it not only gave me the passion um, for kind of how an unjust that was and you know needing to make a change with some of these bigger social and economic systems, but also made me a little bit more comfortable with it. I remember doing, having similar experiences as an adult with people who it was hard for them to take action after seeing those things because it, it actually was just such a shock. So mm-hmm. thankful for that kind of, especially in the work I do now, having such a front seat and kind of socialization with both problems with the environment. Like my, my mom and grandmother were recycling before it was cool, pull over on the side of the road to pick up a piece of litter, like very, very eco-focused. And then, yeah, with, with those opportunities, both my parents were, did a lot of nonprofit work and were able to kind of share with me the, the ways that they were trying to make an impact in our community and and abroad, which was very cool. Mm, I love that. So many interesting pieces to that. I think because I, I have a three-year-old son. So listening to you talk about the string thing, I was like, that is something I could see myself like that type of thing, because you do, you want to cultivate a sense of independence because at the end of the day, you're not raising a child, you're raising an adult. So at some point they need to be able to make their own decisions about what feels safe for them and back to our intuition, like what feels good for them. What do they want to follow? So if you're never giving them the opportunities to do that, it's going to be really challenging. I'm going to put that advice in my back pocket because I think that is such a good point. And absolutely, I can see that the sense of independence that I gained from a lot of things that my parents did. And I'm so thankful for that because it's a huge part of who I am. Yes. And it sounds, it sounds like 
what you're doing now, it's definitely connected to a lot of pieces about how you grew up, which is so cool. And I find that's that often happens. You kind of weave together in people's backgrounds, how you got to where you are now. And I think there's a lot of strong kind of storylines for you, but I would love to hear from you. How did you start to develop your kind of early career and what really led you to starting Simple Switch? Yeah, for sure. I, another thing I can like point to in early life is just that both my parents are entrepreneurs. They own their own business and kind of small family business that they saw as their way to live out their values and express those. And so that is another thing that I, it has always been normal to me. Like that was my example. Right. And so it is so funny looking back on just me as an entrepreneur. I think the first time I had a business, right. In quotes is I would offer like family members, like head massages or foot massages at like family gatherings and be like, here are my rates. And I actually have this little fridge magnet that I had made that I was going to pass out as like a marketing thing, but it's truly hilarious. Cause I was like five or six. And so it's like, I, I drew it in like a glitter pen and had like my home phone number on there for people to like call and get head massages, which, um, you know, I'm sure I made some quarters and, and dollars, which is great. And then after that, I, I learned to knit and I love Harry Potter in a huge way. So then I started like selling Basically, I, I told people, if you want a Harry Potter scarf for an upcoming premiere, let me know and I'll make you one. And then I think I got like 26 orders for that in one day. And so it was this really fun, like, oh, there's a market for this, which is not what I would have called it at that time. But I was just like, oh, I better, I better systemize this. I like made a spreadsheet, you know? So it's just fun to look back at those things and that my normal was, oh, we could make a little business venture out of this. So like matching that, you know, with... And that was really, really encouraged by my parents. My dad would have me put together like business plan proposals if I wanted like a new pet or when I got my first cell phone or things Mm. like that, like, you know, pitching essentially when I was a child, which is really fun. But pairing that with, like I said, kind of this front seat to both social and environmental injustice and just having those be at the forefront and how can we marry those two things, I think is kind of what led me to, to Simple Switch and Really specifically, I went on, uh, I had an internship in South Africa where I was doing business consulting with under-resourced entrepreneurs in township called Kailicha, which is outside of Cape Town. So we would go and in the mornings get uh, local professors as well as U.S. professors um, would teach us various business things. So we'd be working on marketing plans or accounting systems, but culturally aware, and then take those things and immediately apply them in the afternoon. So like morning was class. Afternoon was how can we help these people with their businesses in a super practical way that's going to, you know, increase their chances of success and just loved that experience. I think it helped me get my hands dirty with business in a way that kind of unlocked how interesting it could be and how much I enjoyed it while also frustrating me because these entrepreneurs did not have the market share that I thought they should, right? Because of their location and their circumstances and their funding just would never be able to grow the way that I could if I started the same business here. And uh, that was my frustration when I came home. I started thinking, okay, you know, what what small thing can I do? I was trying to be really reasonable and realistic. Like what what small thing can I do to kind of shift that system? Because that feels frustrating. And what I landed on was my spending. Um, you know, I can mm. I can at least the stuff that I buy, right? Like at least the money that I spend, I can put towards businesses I believe in that I like think should get this market share. Right. 
So I'm like super naive. It's funny. I a lot of people listening to this, I'm sure would feel similarly where I was like, okay, amazing. This is a great goal. I'm going to do something like 80% of my spending this year will be with social or environmental enterprises, like ones that I really believe in the values. And it was probably took like a day for that dream to just come crashing down. Cause I was like, man, I can't even buy one thing without hours of research about, is this really impactful? Which businesses are doing a good job? Who can I like trust and support and things like that? Plus there was, I would have like 18 tabs open because I'm like, okay, I need my shampoo. And I like also like want a new shirt. And so like going about it was just very difficult. And then it just, it clicked for me that Amazon was extremely easy and this should be just as easy. And so, yeah, we, Simple Switch was born. <laughs> I got, I, I really haven't looked back since then. I'm um, just really, really passionate about this problem. And our mission is to normalize sustainable and ethical shopping. And the way that we're trying to do that is just be an easier option, be the normal, the, you know, the most winsome, the most techie, like whatever we can be to make it easier for people. Mm, yeah. I love that. Amazing. So can we get a little more in depth about what Simple Switch actually is? Just for anyone who's like never come across it, tell us how it works. Yeah. So we say Simple Switch is the online marketplace for sustainable and ethical shopping. We have been um, coined by some customers, Amazon, but with a heart. I think that's like a little bit sassier than our brand voice, but (laughs) we really are trying to be a one-stop shop for people to shop online, have your stuff conveniently shipped to you. But every single one of the thousands of products that we have, have some kind of social or environmental impact. So that looks like toilet paper that's made from sustainable bamboo and it's carbon neutral shipping. That's like one of our best sellers or Um, you know, coffees, for instance, (laughs) like y'all's brand that are making all sorts of cool impacts with the farmers who make them, the fair trade organizations and certifications they work with. We've got all sorts of clothing, clothing that's made from upcycled materials or is supporting refugee resettlement in the U.S. or just it is incredible the width or sort of like the breadth that we have of products and of impact. That's my favorite part of my job is I get constantly introduced to new industries that are doing this better. And then we get to kind of bring them into the fold of let's make this easy. Like we want everyone to find you. We want everyone to shop for you. We want people to put all of those things I just mentioned in a cart together, not have to think about it because that's what makes it repeatable. Yeah. Anyways, that's a little bit of a soapbox, but that's who we are. We're also a three-year-old startup. We're here in Denver, expanding into brick and mortar we're about to do a funding round. So it's a really fun kind of startup back end. You know, I'm always <laughs> happy to talk about that side too, but yeah, that's who we are. Oh, so exciting. I'm curious to hear how do you, so we talked about how it is really challenging to, you know, make sure that companies are actually, it's so sad we have to say this, but make sure companies are actually doing what they say they're doing. Yeah, There's yeah. been a lot of I mean, if you're anyone who's in marketing or or if you are a conscious consumer yourself, you know about things like greenwashing, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think there's sadly so many of those types of things where they're trying to look and posture like they're doing a lot. So I'm so curious to hear from you because you're kind of an expert in this. How do you go about finding these companies and then how do you vet them? Yeah, definitely. It's it's so interesting also with just what you said about greenwashing and, and marketing. When I had the idea for this company in 2015, I, I think my main problem was that I couldn't find any brands doing the thing I wanted. 
I don't think the main problem was I could find a ton of brands, but who's telling the truth. And I think of this as like such a benefit and such a terrible thing, because what it means is there's the consumer demand is working, right? People want these brands to be more socially and environmentally impactful and companies see that. So they're like, okay, well, we better at least say that we're doing that or no one will want to shop with us. Right. And I have a lot of hope that, that the consumer demands swelling and consumer education through brands like ours and all sorts of other great organizations will kind of help to curb a lot of that greenwashing or whatever it may be, which unfortunately also makes people kind of distrust the brands that are doing it right because everyone just gets overwhelmed. Like I, I see customers all the time come to us and they, they love our concept, but honestly, they're probably a little bit jaded because they've been burned by brands who are greenwashing. So anyways, just want to throw that out there. I understand how exhausting that is. It's never our intention to shame anyone for like their shopping experience because it is truly complicated. With that said, the way that we go about it, we work with about 60 suppliers right now, and that is growing rapidly. It's like I said, the most fun part of my job. I think as we've grown and gained popularity, a lot of social and environmental enterprises are now finding us. And so we have this like long wait list that we're working through and vetting and being really intentional about, but that's been a huge win this year. We vet them for a few things. You can find our standards on um, our website in the About Us section under our standards. You'll find our impact partner commitment. And it includes a few things. One is their employee treatment. So this is, you know, they have to not be doing anything like child labor or forced labor or, you know, below living wage, that kind of thing. Environmental impact has a lot to do with kind of local and international standards, as well as um, being, having an awareness of things like carbon, sorry, carbon footprint and packaging. And then we ask every brand, this one's a little bit more nuanced, so I'll go more into it, but to have an impact business model. So we're not looking for the brand that's been around doing everything wrong, but now they plant trees with every order. Like that's not what we mean when we say everything has a positive impact, right? I said on another podcast yesterday, actually, if there's going to be a terrible brand or a terrible brand that also plants trees, don't get me wrong. I want them to plant the trees, but that's not enough for them to sell on our site. So they need to have that kind of, it needs to be a a part of what they do and who they are. And that doesn't mean brands can't take steps to get there. You know, they don't have to be founded on these principles. We love to help brands take steps, but it does mean that it needs to be a part of the products themselves and a part of um, the model. And then the last thing that we have on that commitment is a commitment to improve. So this is really fun for me because I get to be someone and we get to be as an organization, a tool to help brands meet each other, see what each other are doing well, and then kind of do that better in their own businesses. So a classic example of this is brands of ours who have really great sustainable packaging. And then brands of ours who are doing something more social related, maybe they're working with refugees or doing empowerment through employment programs. They are able to see, oh, we could have compostable packaging. Oh, we could have upcyclable or recyclable or reusable, like all these cool examples. So we've seen brands make that kind of improvement or choose to have, you know, more accountability through certain certifications, all sorts of things. So that's it. You know, we don't, we don't give, I think there, there are some marketplaces that I really admire that are, they are a plastic free marketplace or they Mm. are a supports human trafficking like the fight against human trafficking marketplace. Love what they're doing. 
For us, because our mission is really normalizing and making it easier and making it simpler, we accept brands making a lot of different kinds of impact. So the main thing that we focus on is transparency and making sure like no matter brand, no matter the product that we are able to communicate that quantifiable and actual and accountable impact with each one of them. Oh, so amazing. I love it. I think something I was curious to get your take on too, was the idea that kind of part of your mission is to really normalize and destigmatize ethical shopping. And I would love to talk a little bit about kind of why that's important to you. And then a little bit about why you think ethical shopping is stigmatized yeah. in general. Yeah. I think for me, the reason that it's important, we can look at, you know, we talked about intuition versus data earlier, right? So one of the reasons it's important is because I, you know, if we're talking about intuition and feelings and like understanding of values, I've met the people that this affects, right? I have unfortunately met and worked with the women who were raped at work, who worked way too long of hours, who had to pee in bottles because they work at a garment factory that absolutely exploits them and who tricked them into taking the job. And, you know, like I've met those survivors of things like that. And unfortunately that fuels so much of our current economy. And so we get to have this really cool impact where it's not only, so like if you buy, we'll go with a shirt since we were talking about garments, right? You buy this shirt, not only is it having a environmental sustainability impact, it is, you know, we have proof that it is made by garment workers who are being paid a living wage, who are being treated really well, often who are being, you know, trained and um, people say, what do they say? Up-leveling them, right? So they're not Mm. even stuck in this garment industry if they don't want to be, right? It might be a doorway into a career that they're thrilled about where they can become their own entrepreneur. So there's lots of great impact about the shirt. The other thing that it does is takes money away from whoever you would have bought the shirt from otherwise, who likely is doing the opposite of all those things, right? They are harming the planet. They are harming the people. And that's not a guarantee, But the more that we focus on this ethical and sustainable shopping, we're not only having the direct impact of the products, it is this amazing collective shift of of capitalism, of the whole economy, which is, you know, that sounds huge and it sounds a little terrifying, but it is, I think it's achievable, like in our lifetime to see business actually be a force for good and have that be a practical, accountable, normalized mission, right? Like that's something that we can do as consumers and certainly companies like mine can create systems around and allow to be more normalized. And then I love your question about the stigmatize because I think for me, because I ask all the time for customer feedback, a lot of times my favorite question is people will say, I just love your, I love your website. Amazing, great mission. People are like gushing about how much they love it. And then I will check and they have never ordered anything. And that's really interesting to me because I'm like, hmm, like what is getting in your way? So I do think our mission being to make it really easy feels really new. I don't think a lot of people see it as something that's easy. I like scream from the rooftops. You don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to do any of these things to shop ethically because I think that is the stigma that in order to shop sustainably, you need to be like a hippie or you need to like live in Boulder, which I happened to live in Boulder for a while, but you don't have to be like me to do it, right? To shop ethically or with social impact, The only thing you can buy are, you know, very out of style clothing or little kitschy things that you'll put around your house and then regret it, you know, or things that, you know, you only bought it for the social impact. So I think in both of those, you know, both of those things, 
both it not being very easy and it not being products that you want. I think those are the stigmas that we're always working to break down. Cool thing is every one of our partners sells things that they understand that, right? All of our brands, I just don't think it's true anymore. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people still believe it because it did used to be true. It used like this, this model is somewhat new. Maybe the last decade is when this has really taken hold, but it used to be that the only thing, you know, that you could buy product wise, I'm sure this is not unequivocally true at all, but if you were going to buy a product that was going to have a positive impact, it was probably going to be at like a flea market. It was probably going to be at like a a church bake sale, you know, where someone is like, they went on a trip and then they met people internationally and they brought these things back. And like, it also surrounded a lot of like pity marketing or things like that, especially with social impact to be like, Oh, whoa. Like, do you see this very sad thing? Like make sure that you, which that's not effective marketing. It's also not good for the people who are being impacted because it's super non-dignifying to like speak of it that way. Right. The cool thing is being in the industry, I don't see that as the reality. And so it's really fun to, it is also extremely frustrating. I would say one of the most frustrating parts of my job, but really interesting to kind of break down those stigmas, figure out how we can communicate about it better, watch brands that are not in my industry, not making impact, see how they're communicating, what feels just consumer behavior, right? Like how do, how do we, how do we make it? And it's not, it's a weird balance between we never want to be manipulative or like tricking anyone, but we do want to make it just as easy and just as easy to follow through and just as easy to take action as a brand who is trying to manipulate you and trick you. So it's like, how do we take the best practices from, from an Amazon, from an, you know, H and M from a, whatever that is going to make you understand the ease. We say ease without apathy. That's our company value around this. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And you know what, an example that I can kind of give is Amazon. The reason it's great is because it's so easy. Like that is what's good about it. You can find Mm -hmm. all the things you might want in one space, which is, I know something that you're tackling. And I think that has been a huge issue in the past for these kind of impact businesses because it's really challenging to find them or has been. So I think that is huge. And then if you take something like an H&M, I think the point there is they make stylish things that are accessible for people to buy. That's Mm -hmm. why it's successful, right? It's not, it's not like also like add like, yes, absolutely that. And that's kind of what we were talking about with like, we want the practical, but also they've created a system that makes you feel like you need the yes. next thing, right? Not just H and M. Not I mean, I'm not. No, that's just not H&M, just them. Our whole, our whole society, right? So that also is really important to us. Our, our value around that is don't buy more, buy better, right? Because there's already 800 billion dollars being spent online every year. We are not trying to add to that. We're not trying to grow that market. We are trying to shift that money yep. to companies and brands that are using that money to make the world a better place. And that doesn't mean the other thing that's maybe a stigma is. What I'm not saying is buy from brands that do everything the same as the brands you buy from now and donate money to these other things. Like there's a real, this is, this is integrated, right? This is like part of how the business runs in the majority of cases. We do have companies that are, you know, donating a portion of profits and that's how they go about making their impact. But I think, uh, I think another common myth or stigma is something like an Amazon smile where it's like, oh, as long as I'm as long as I'm using Amazon smile, then it's going to give you know, five cents to my favorite charity. So like, that's good. And 
once again, I'll use the, if we're going to have a terrible company, I still want them to plant the trees. Like if you're going to buy on Amazon, I love that you use Amazon smile. And also I keep using Amazon as an example, but I've posted recent reels talking about how it's never, ever my goal to shame people for shopping on Amazon. I shop on Amazon too. A lot of times it's the only option. A lot of times we just don't have the capacity to like look for something else. That is why we exist is to make it so that it's just as easy so that you're not like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to have to make this like mental or emotional or financial sacrifice to shop on simple switch. We just want it to be, you know, just as good. So anyways, I think a really, no, but a really, (laughs) really important piece, because I, I will say that this has been in the past, I would say a bit of a holdup for me, let's call Mm -hmm. it. is this idea that you need to then change your entire life. Like, and you kind of touch on this, but I think it's worth talking a bit more about. It's like, you do not. And I think you agree with this. You do not need to now only buy every single piece piece of clothing that's sustainable and and everything. I think anything is going to be helpful. And like, what if everyone in America one thing differently, one in their whole life, that'd be a game changer. One thing you buy yourself from, you know, your local grocery store and it's from, you know, a big conglomerate and they don't do great work. You buy yourself from us one time. If everyone did that, that'd be a huge change. Now, obviously not everyone is doing that right now. So it is more helpful if we're able to switch a few more things. Right. But that's, I mean, that's the idea behind the name even is this should just be like, a simple switch. It should be a dopamine hit for you. It should be, wow, I was going to buy a towel from Walmart and I bought a towel. I just had an interview with our new towel company today, (laughs) bought one from simple switch instead, you know, it was made from sustainable materials. It was like shipped. Well, awesome. Like, cool. I did it. That should be your attitude. It shouldn't be uh, like now that towel makes me feel guilty because I realized I didn't buy also my bath mat from that. Like, that's not, (laughs) this is like not the, the train of thought. I, I just love like, having these exact conversations so that people can hear. Cause I actually, I mean, people come up to me and they'll be like chatting with me at a party and say, Oh yeah, I'll be like, I love your shoes. And they're like, Oh, thanks. I got them on Amazon. And then I like see them have this like shame moment. And I'm like, listen, that's like not what we're here for. And that's like, not, it's fine. Like we're not trying to demonize. We're trying to revolutionize. Absolutely. And you cannot shame yourself into change just so you know in any arena of your life this is no different it's it's not about that and I I just think it's really important because I think that could probably be a misconception that you come across with with your company and with your vendors I don't think any of us are sitting out here like you said demonizing you for making purchases sometimes that's how it goes but I think if you can make any of these simple switches that just puts such an impact for kind of the whole community that you're in and the world at large. So anything you can do is helpful. Another thing is like, we, so just looking at simple switch. So we are not the only solution for this. I think we're the only solution of our exact kind, but maybe you have like another favorite brand. Maybe you shop locally. Maybe it's like from your farmer's market, whatever. If you're looking for something, this is what I, this is what I would love everyone to do. Right. I'm not saying everyone needs to shop from me exclusively by any means, even just from like a ego perspective, that would be ridiculous. But what I would encourage everyone to do and what I do have hope for people to do is just try to be just like 1% more intentional about knowing when you need something and check with your favorite ethical and sustainable tool first. So if you're like, I need a snack today, instead of trying to go to like your local 7-Eleven and buying Cheetos, could you like go to the farmer's market near your house and like, if, if that's not a 
possibility for you today, that's totally fine. If it's because this is going to be more convenient and it's going to be more cheap and there's like real reasons for you to not do it, fine, no problem. Then you say, okay, this is actually the, and this is obviously like a 30 second, maybe three second interaction in your head, what I'm asking, not this whole conversation, but thinking to yourself, I, I gave that the, the necessary thought. I'm not going to do it this time because it's not as easy. The next step that is so helpful to company owners like me is to tell us that. And I think people get really hung up on like wanting to like mentally and emotionally support small businesses that they like don't actually give really good feedback. And I love asking people like, Hey, you came to our website and you loved it, but you didn't buy anything. Like, what do you think got in your way? And that, I mean, that's the game changer, right? Like we need that customer feedback. I want to know how I can help you. I don't want you to like puff up my ego and be like, great website if you didn't have a good experience, right? So I feel like people, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of my favorite customers, and they do reach out with emails about feedback or, you know, I can see in their order history that they're ordering over and over. A lot of times what I hear from them is if they know they need to buy something, they just check on our website first. A lot of times we won't have it because sometimes they need something really specific, right? Like if they're trying to buy like a new car part, we don't have any of those. There's a million things we don't have because we have thousands of things and Amazon has millions, maybe billions. I don't know. So that's like the only, that's like my, you have to do it action in order to make this impact. The minute it's not the right decision for you. That's fine. Just like, think about it. Maybe I will. I love that. That makes it uh, very approachable, I think, and is a good challenge. I think a little challenge for everyone listening to just take that moment to think about is basically it's, is there a different choice I can make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, truly, I agree with what you said. You can't shame yourself. So I, I don't even want you to like ever say should to yourself in this situation. Right. It's like, okay, I need, like, I have a pen sitting here that's from Simple Switch, or like my earrings are from Simple Switch. So I like, I need a new pen. Put pen in the search bar on Simple Switch. Find one, like it, buy it. Cool. Obviously that's the ideal situation. Yeah. I need a new pen. Go on Simple Switch. I don't love the style of this pen. I'm not going to buy it because of this price, whatever. Don't then like spend the rest of your day being like, I should have bought that pen. If only I was a better person, I would have bought the better pen. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. And that's actually going to stop you from making from, from doing that again, right. Even just like our brain chemistry are built into our bones, the way we're built. You want, I want you to have the dopamine hit from, I thought about my purchase. That was good of me. I want you to have that. I don't want you to have the, I should have made the other purchase because that's, what's going to lead you to be able to take those actions more easily and more regularly and all of that. It's just, it's just absolutely not going to help any of us, me or you or simple switch or the world or the planet or anything for you to like beat yourself up about it in any Mm. situation. Like I hope you buy from us. Obviously like that's what I want, but if you don't like still be happy. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Rachel, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I really want to acknowledge you for the incredible work you're doing in bringing these companies to the forefront and then making it easy for us to make that simple switch because that is something that definitely was missing and it's amazing the work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really love it. I really love our customers. I really love our partners. I feel like the luckiest it is also a ton of work. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I see you. I see you. Okay. We're going to get to the rapid fire. What's a book that's changed your life? I 
really, really love a book I finished recently. It's the most, most absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green. And it's a fiction book. It's like, I would, I would call it like casually sci-fi maybe, but I think it tackles a lot. It was a fun read. I kind of have a hard time getting through books if they're not fun. They don't have a lot of fun. I read a lot of entrepreneurship books, but it like takes me a lot more to get through them. And uh, I felt like this one allowed it to be fun and also tackled some big topics that like made me think and made me have like, a, ooh, yeah, response. So maybe not like the, the biggest, most impactful book, but I, I really loved it recently. I love that. Favorite place you've traveled. I know you've been to like 28 countries. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's, this is a yeah, good... I've been to exactly 28 countries. That's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> I guess that's probably in my bio. <laughs> I, man, this answer changed every time I'm asked, but I really, really loved Chile. I got, I got a really wide and diverse experience while I was there. Of I lived in the city in Santiago. I got to travel to Patagonia and, and explore around there and do some of my favorite like outdoor adventuring. And then this sounds awful, but I loved it. I actually got to do a 16 hour bus ride. My next stop was Bolivia and we went from like the lower end all the way up Chile. So I also got to just see a lot of the landscape and animals and like the ocean side. So I also speak pretty good Spanish. So it helps that I was, I was able to live a little bit more normally there because I didn't have like such a language barrier. Mm, So cool. I actually haven't been to Chile yet. Uh, Adding it to my list. What is a lesson you've learned recently? Don't be afraid of heights. <laughs> I know I already mentioned it, but that has been huge for me. We are, like I said, expanding into a, an in-person location here in Denver, which is something I've never done before. We are about to raise our first official round of funding, um, which all of you are invited to be a part of because it's not just with big investors, but it is, has been terrifying. Like, like in my chest, I feel like I'm going to explode terrifying but also I'm way more scared to not do it. And I'm way more, would be way more disappointed if we weren't able to make these like huge jumps that are going to help us make huge impact. I am like such a junkie for adrenaline. I love a good like cliff jump or like outdoor adventure. And so it's actually just been so helpful. Like I said, to have that, like these things go together and yeah, an entrepreneur just told me can't be afraid of heights. So I'll just like stick with that one. I already mentioned it is a good lesson and it is worth mentioning twice. <laughs> Last question. Name a woman who inspires you. Uh, I just teared up, which is like a really unexpected response because I actually like had people in mind already to say, and then I like got emotionally overwhelmed. I've just been so, so like lucky in my life and fortunate with the women that I've known and the women that have inspired me. Like even so here are the two people that I'll say from a more like everyone can access them perspective. I just love Brene Brown. I think the way that she handles nuance and uh, like communicates about really hard topics. I often look to her as an example. She doesn't know who I am. It's on my, on my dreams list to be on her podcast someday. So if you guys like know her, please tell her, but I, yeah, I just love the way that she handles things. Her writing is, that's what I should have said is probably dare to lead is another book that's changed my life. But, um, and I haven't read Alice of the heart yet, but really looking forward to it. But then also I, I want to shout out just a woman in my life who inspires me. Her name's Kirsten. She's one of my best friends and she inspires me because she works so hard and accomplishes so much in her own life. She also just like loves and hypes people up extremely well. 
myself included, if you go on Simple Switch's Instagram, you will see her commented on every, like every single post. I think the Simple Switch link is in her bio just personally because she wants to support me and she like loves the mission behind this company. And I feel like she embodies what I love about women, which is just this like fierce advocacy for each other. And she's encouraged me to do that better. I think I, I used to have kind of the, well, you're like, not like you're cool. You're not like other girls kind of stigma and her friendship. I think I, I started to break that down before I knew her, but her friendship has been this incredible clincher of the way that we can like love and value and absolutely like unconditionally support other women. So I'll shout her out as well. And yeah, I just, I mean, I, I meet with women's groups. I, I get to do podcasts like this where I'm just like, ah, like women are the best and see stats from Melinda Gates about how we can change the world through entrepreneurship together. Like it's amazing. Women are so cool. If you're listening, you inspire me. I just haven't met you yet. You know, like all of it. I love that. And we are the coolest, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been amazing. And I want to make sure everyone goes and falls up with you. So where's yeah. the best place to find you and your business? Absolutely. I'll, I'll put out a couple resources and I'll give you these as well, if you want to put them in the notes or anything, but best place, obviously to find simple switch is on our website, simpleswitch.org. Um, like I said, if you go to the website and don't end up buying anything, or even if you do end up buying something, I would love your feedback. You can send that to hello at simpleswitch.org. I'll be behind that. I would love to hear from you. Or I'm also the person behind the support chat in the little right-hand corner if you just want to say you. But yeah, we do have other people who help me, but I'm usually back there. You can follow us on Instagram, simple.switch, or you can follow me and my entrepreneurial journey where I love to do education around things like not shaming people for shopping on Amazon. It's Rachel from Simple Switch if you want to do that. And then... Another place where you can find us right now, which is kind of unique, is on WeFunder. Like I mentioned, we have, I've, I haven't wanted to um, rush into taking funding in order to grow us. I think I had some, some of my own kind of stigma and bias against taking investment that I've luckily broken down because it's a wonderful opportunity. But we decided to fundraise our first round through WeFunder because we wanted to make sure, although we want to include the people who can write me a $100,000 check to grow Simple Switch, I also want to include the people who can invest a thousand dollars because that way, as we grow, you know, your wealth grows too. And, you know, my friend from college or my high school teacher can invest in what we're doing and the future of this economy that we want to shift. And as we grow, we can also support them. So we funders another B Corp. You can find us, I think just by simple, I, I don't know what the URL is, but if you search simple switch on WeFunder, you'll find us. And uh, yeah, feel free to say, hey, anytime. It, also, if you comment on this post uh, on, you know, y'all's, y'all's socials, I'll probably see it. So reach out however you want. I love to say, hey, very accessible person. So can't wait to talk to you. Amazing. Thanks again, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at OurGorongosa. 